Podcast. I'm Gabs McIntyre. And I'm Adrian Pope. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Halfway Post, the satire um, website that is associated with Brain Milk, the podcast. It's primarily me who writes them, but I always get uh, help and advice uh, from a brain trust, including Adrian here. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the articles that I've written and just kind of... Uh, kind of a free verse about kind of the topics and uh, ideas that I suggest uh, via my articles. So right off the bat, um, the latest article I wrote, Trump just ordered a giant COVID mission accomplished banner. Um, obviously making fun of George W. Bush for his mission accomplished in uh, 2003, I believe it was, when obviously here we are, <laughs> you know, in 2020, <laughs> 17 years later, yeah. and Iraq is still reeling from the effects of uh, our arguably um, unthought out invasion and occupation. <laughs> to you, say the least? Yeah. I guess we could take a moment. What do you think? Was Iraq worth it in any regard? I mean, essentially, we kind of tried to keep the country together despite the sectarian civil war between the Sunnis and the Shia. The Kurds are relatively autonomous in the north. And I guess in, in Iraq's government right now, are the, are the Kurds in their government or are the Kurds kind of completely separate? No, they keep them out. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure they try to keep them out. Right. So there's basically it was a, a, a weird spot the American government, you know, our government was in where they wanted to help, the, especially the last couple of years of the Obama administration where, you know, we were having the Kurds fight ISIS. We wanted to help them. And, you know, Iraq is our ally over there. We have a very high interest in making sure their government works. But the Iraq government was kind of anti-Kurds. So really a bad spot for us to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um because essentially the Shia part of Iraq, which is a minority, but the Shia, um, let's see, the Shia are kind of out, you know, Iran is Shia, so Iran definitely exerts a ton of influence over the Shia parts of Iraq. And uh, Iran also exerts its influence throughout parts of Syria as well. The majority of the population is Sunni, which is I guess more allied in a sense with Saudi Arabia, the Sunnis kind of in the southern part of the Middle East. Uh, I wouldn't most, say actually, allied mo most of the Middle East. Well, uh, I guess religiously affiliated or in a, yeah. you know, kind of. Obviously, Saudi Arabia has tried to exert some influence to try to get back at Iran. Um, but like Iraq really isn't a country. It was kind of created as a country by the yeah. like roughly like the Ottomans, and then the British also saw the uh, the benefits of keeping Iraq, which is basically three large uh, minority groups all vying for power. And like any like any empire, it's easier to make fake countries and have the people uh, always fighting each other, so that you can kind of keep your control as the kind of. Uh, like the power that runs things, you, you, you get less rebellion against you if you can keep all the <laughs> subpopulation groups fighting amongst themselves. Um, but what do you think about Iraq? What, I mean, like, what, what's the silver lining in Iraq? Is there any net positive that's come out of our two decades of destroying the country? Um, well, if you take the conservative side, I mean, one silver lining is, you know, simply we took out Saddam Hussein, who was a, a bad actor, as they say. Um, but... When you, you hear rumors or stories about how Saddam Hussein actually offered to just, if he would paid $3 billion, he would just leave or something. <laughs> it makes you kind of wish we had taken <laughs> right. that deal. 
there was well, other it's things kind of ironic. like it's ironic because like from the beginning we when uh, the shah was overthrown we basically gave saddam a whole bunch of money and weapons to kind of fight off the iranian um theocracy that formed when our yeah when the, our guy, the we shah was like. over yeah so we basically turned saddam into a monster or at least kind of gave him the power to become a monster and the kind of military power to subject his people to his authoritarian rule um, that well, makes really me want to wonder out. what would have happened to Iraq if there had been like, you know, if Saddam Hussein had been subjected to the Arab Spring. Now, part of me just thinks he would uh, ruthlessly kind of oppress it right. <laughs> and keep it from spreading anywhere. But um, I mean, how different the Middle East would be for I mean, there's so many off roads and, you know, the arc of history of what could have happened. Um but clearly, I don't think we're living the best alternate reality with the <laughs> yeah. best outcome in Iraq. Right. Yeah, not not the most ideal situation. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, too, though, to think about, like, George W. Bush and just kind of, like, what a non-entity he has become post-presidency, you know? Um, I don't think anyone gives a shit what, what Bush thinks. I don't know if he's really exerting any influence on politics. He certainly is not exerting any on the Republican Party in the age of Trump. I believe famous. Actually, he's kind of become kind of like a, a charming figure because he's, you know, his family probably all voted against Trump. After the inauguration, uh, Bush leaned over, I think, to the Obamas and said something like, well, that was some weird shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, George W. Bush is kind of a terrible president, but not like. Well, he's just back to the guy you can have a beer with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, let's go to the next article. Quarantine protesters take a break to go protest abortion. And I did a little sign where uh, someone's holding up a sign that says, the economy is more important than some people dying. And then there's a little line and it says, also abortion is murder. And it's just kind of playing on the fact of how ironic that these protesters who are probably conservatives, that they're kind of being ginned up in a similar fashion that the Tea Party I don't think you have to say up. probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, Anytime you see right. a bunch of guys with Confederate flags and AK, like not AK forty seven, but uh, assault rifles yeah. standing around with American flags and Confederate flags, like they're probably not <laughs> yeah. the Democrats yeah. out to play. I do, I do love the photo of like <laughs> that one dude who had a Nazi flag, and it's like, really, dude, you're not even trying. <laughs> you know, like yeah. everyone else uh, kind of gets the message of, hey, we're let's you know keep the Nazi flags at home. You can have them, just don't <laughs> parade them out in public. I guess you got to think, like, what, what if in those, like, uh, super libertarian or sovereign citizen m movements, you know, they have that one guy, like, oh, great, Ted brought his Nazi flag again. Thanks, yeah. Ted. <laughs> you ruin everything. <laughs> right. And uh, the article kind of makes fun of the idea that uh, a lot of conservatives are so pro-life to the point where, like, they'll vote for any Republican, including Trump, who's obviously not a Christian, but he gets the Christian vote because he just does lip service to abortion, which I've said this before and I'll say it again. Donald Trump, if you're a betting man, would be the president you would bet on um, to have actually had an abortion and paid for it, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but the idea you know what's funny about that, though? What? What's funny about that is that the Republican Party is really lucky that all the single-issue voters vote Republican because yeah. the Democrats don't have that because the left-wing single-issue voters don't vote for the Democrat because they <laughs> yeah. think he's part of the system. Yeah, that's so like all those yeah, Jill the Democrats are liberal enough for the single-voter, uh, yeah. single-issue liberal voter. Yeah, so for the Second Amendment types who always vote Republican to the anti-abortion uh, crowd— 
I had the Republicans definitely get the better end of the uh, single issue voter uh, yeah. demographics in America politics. And that pisses me off too about the uh, single issue gun voters because all these news articles coming out that the NRA has just like wasted tens of millions of dollars. Like the NRA used, give. yeah, the NRA used to be a group that actually like was relatively sane and like you know not divorced from reality like they now are. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. they famously did that, like, whole NRA, was it cable news? They had some, like, news channel of 24-hour yeah. content, and it was just, like, a <laughs> bunch of conspiracy theorist idiots. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it basically turned into what you'd expect. But, yeah, the NRA really that's what happens kind of when... lost its way. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you try to go to 24-hour uh, content. Uh, nobody has 24 hours of content. You have to fill in some some crazy shit to make up the time. <laughs> yeah, to fill in those like 3 a.m. time slots with something new, you know, an original. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like this article because I had this line. Um, it's like a fake interview with uh, like a fake uh, protester, but talking about how that uh, she, you know, she wants the, the government to end these quarantines and get people back to work because the government's job is not to protect people except for babies. Uh-huh. And the idea that like uh, a lot of conservatives don't want to spend money or time or focus or attention doing anything for kids or adults or people who are already born and alive. But, uh, you know, they spend all their time making sure babies get born. And then after that, it's like, well, go get fucked. <laughs> you know, not my problem. It, you know, if you... Well, I mean, think of those Republicans who in real life, and this isn't even, uh, <laughs> you know, parody or just humor, but Republicans in real life supporting not giving free lunches to poor children so it would motivate them to work harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And it's like, wow, yeah. you take a five-year-old and don't give them food. You probably just, you know, set that kid back <laughs> like three years, like yeah. educationally-wise, Right. fed i mean it's so stupid like and that's like what we talked about last time is like there's the amount of things america could save money on long term by just putting a tiny ounce of effort in the short term is astounding to me right um for example I, yeah. like you know what if we had just subsidized uh, subsidized better food choices how many hundreds of billions of dollars would we save in medicare costs for people 50 years from now 40 years 20 years from now you know what i mean right yeah, for sure. Uh, I talk about that a lot in Al Franken's book, Giant of the Senate. A little mm-hmm. awkward to read now after what happened, but yeah. it's still a really good book. But he was talking about how one of the things he was pushing for while in the Senate was like the early education, because for every dollar the government spends on early education for kids who like are already set behind by the time they're like four or five because their parents work, or maybe they don't have parents at home. Maybe they only have one parent who works like two jobs. Um, but like the amount of setbacks that they get and like all the things like they're more likely to drop out, get pregnant as a teenager, go to prison, have, uh, like bad paying jobs, have all kinds of crises. Not get more education. Yeah. Like, but if you like, just, if you had an early educational program, like, uh, with all the amount of things that you save, it's like for every dollar we spend, we would get like 17 or $16 of value on the back end when we don't have to pay for them going to jail or, uh, you know, any number of socioeconomic results of having a good early education and not being behind everybody else just because you, you know, you, you were born in a bad family or a, mm-hmm. a poor family or a family like beset by tragedy and stuff like that. Yeah. So something to think about. Um, then I did a whole article, Donald Trump unveils his new 2020 campaign slogan. And in it, uh, I had a big list of uh, possible slogans that Donald Trump could have kind of funny. 
Uh, so some of Donald Trump's 2020 campaign slogans. Uh, the one I, the one in my article I said was going to win is "COVID was Obama's fault." I think that's the uh, the winning slogan for Trump. Um, some of the other yeah. slogans that I included are. Um, if you re-elect Donald Trump, he promises to golf a little less. <laughs> uh, obviously, Donald Trump has golfed a ton. Interesting side note, I don't believe Trump has golfed as much as Eisenhower did. I think I remember reading that Eisenhower <laughs> like blows every president out of the water in terms of how often really? he went golfing. Yeah. Uh, well, you, I mean, if you won World War II, I mean, give the guy a break. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> you did, yeah, you, you conquered France from uh, Nazi Germany. Um, here's yeah. a good one. A slogan uh, Trump was considering for 2020. Joe Biden will take your guns and sodomize you with them. <laughs> good little scaremonger <laughs> there. Um, Trump is racist, so you can pretend not to be. That's a, that's a popular one for the racist segment of the Republican Party. Um, here's another good one. Oh, hold on. I just Googled this. This is interesting. Apparently, Woodrow Wilson golfed more than everybody. Oh, really? Woodrow Wilson more than Eisenhower? Yeah, Eisenhower's like number two, and then, um, you know, they make a joke how uh, uh, Obama really didn't golf that much comparatively. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton both golfed uh, quite a bit, too, which is Here, interesting. Here's another good thought, too. I, I saw this online somewhere, that, like, if you compare golf to any other activity, it really makes you realize how ridiculous it's, like, uh -huh. socially acceptable for important business leaders and political figures to go golfing. Like if you admit, like Trump has gone golfing essentially like what, one in every four days or something that he's been president, like working days or whatever. Like imagine if Trump was playing Dungeons and Dragons or if like Woodrow Wilson every day played laser tag. Like yeah. obviously at that point, I think constituents would get upset at how much time, you know, Obama spent playing laser tag. But for whatever reason, presidents golfing, it, it, you just get a free pass to do it. For whatever reason, that's like a like a waspy, socially acceptable thing to just waste your time doing. Well, you know what's um, really funny is you think the conservatives who don't believe in big government and want a smaller government would be happy if the evil Democrat president just golfed every day. You yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's what I always say about Trump is like at least he doesn't work very hard and at least he goes golfing a lot because those are days that he... He could be doing something bad yeah. for the country, and instead he's just golfing. So he's not come threatening out okay. nuclear nuclear armed uh, <laughs> dictators while he's yeah. on the golf course. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let's see. And then here's another little crowd favorite. Don't you want to see Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, and other Republicans continue to humiliate themselves? Trump 2020. <laughs> um, that one's kind of funny. They have kind of, if you look at the statements Lindsey Graham said about Trump before the election and then now look at him after, um, it really lends credence to the idea that Donald Trump has some kind of uh, blackmail over him. I'm not going to specify mm -hmm. what, not going to speculate or get into it, but it certainly suggests that some blackmail might be there. Um, I did an article, Germany was not sending its best when Frederick Trump came in 1885. Just a little play on Trump's own words there. Took some of the words that he said about Mexicans and just meant, and uh, said them myself about German immigrants circa 1885. Sorry, Germany and Germans. It's all a joke. I wasn't serious. Just showing the hypocrisy of Trump. And then another German-related yeah. one. This one cracks me up every time I look at it. 
Uh, I, I found a cute picture of a gerbil online. I gave him a, uh, a hat that I added a skull to and then gave the little gerbil a little Nazi swastika armband. <laughs> it, it gerbils the gerbil uses COVID to strengthen his grip on rodent power. <laughs> and it's a... Uh, if you're going to read any of them, I recommend that one. That one cracked me up right in it, just kind of making, uh, kind of applying this uh, global trend toward authoritarian fascism that's kind of on the rise in countries like Austria, America, Hungary, Hungary maybe not Austria. I think I was thinking of Hungary. I don't remember if Austria is necessarily that way. Um, some political parties in countries, even if they don't have uh, power, there's some kind of like Nazi parties and far extremist right anti-immigrant uh, parties kind of taking root throughout Europe and other countries. Um, I did an article, uh, God admitted humans aren't his favorite creation. Uh, we can talk about this a little bit because if you really think, I mean, ants are maybe God's favorite creature more than humans are. I mean, ants are everywhere. They're on every continent on like, they're on like super continent uh, or sorry, super colonies that if you uh, actually like bring ants from different continents together, they won't attack each other because they're, they're like such giant super colonies that they, uh, yeah, like under the ground, well, I mean, kind of control the world. <laughs> I mean, if you look at evolution, though, it's silly to think that like, I mean, everything makes sense if you look at it in evolutionary perspective. So like the idea that God is loves like one species more than another doesn't. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, articles you've written recently is uh, the one of uh, Kaylee McEnany. What's her name? McEnany or something like that? McEnany? Yeah, McEnany. Yeah, your headline is just, Trump told new press secretary that he's hoping for more of a, a Kim Jong-un vibe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for his communications people. Um, which, a lot of ways, like... I mean, you had so many people, especially early on, just telling bold-faced lies about uh, Trump. For example, like when Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, said that he reads more than anyone she's ever yes. met. Yes, like, we brought no that up in way. several podcasts, but it deserves to be brought up every podcast. Yeah. I don't buy that at all. She's lying past the point of her being employed by him and getting paid via his appointment. Uh, that's a ridiculous thing to, to lie about. That's yeah. so dumb. Um, cause that's, that's actually a lot of, that's a criticism that a lot of the, the former Trump staffers who have quit and or been fired and like, are, uh, you know, some of the people that the say numerous people fired and disgraced from right. the Trump administration. Um, not even in disgrace. I think Trump's often disgraced firing them, but they all remark that he's like an idiot. He's got the brain and mind of like a, Ooh, sorry. He's got the mind of a sixth grader, the intellect of a toddler. <laughs> Um, I always, yeah, well, uh, Rex Tillerson famously said he's a fucking idiot or fucking yeah, moron or something like a, that. A lot of them did, yeah. Um, yeah. McMaster said he was like a moron. Um, yeah, just not not great quotes for the president of the United States, you know, that his staffers think he's a he's an idiot who can't be reasoned with. Which I mean, well, I can't gotta, I can't imagine like the people like McMaster and and uh, Kelly who spent like decades serving their country in the military. Uh, working in like at least for McMaster like the intelligence side and then like you know you finally make it to the White House and then Trump's president <laughs> you know I mean? yeah right <laughs> this uh, you know it's it's weird when you think about the how much timing is involved for like political careers and stuff like that um, yeah because I mean just imagine or not even imagine just 
uh, think about all of the career diplomats and career government employees that have been doing this forever but quit when Trump took over because, you know, places like NASA or like the Commerce Department, all these agencies throughout the government where it's like Trump gets into power and either doesn't give a shit about anything you're doing or actively thinks that your uh, your evidence that you've accumulated in all of your experience makes you less likely um, to for him to give a shit about you. Well, you it's know, just like that Keimer, attack you. It's just like the Keimer Rouge where they went around rounding up people and saying like, oh, well, you have glasses, so you must be an intelligent yeah. person and a... You know, someone we need to uh, kill for the revolution to, right. to happen kinda, properly. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like that. The way you get all these conservatives that, like, hate the idea of college professors, of all, you know, if you go to college, you've been liberally brainwashed. They hate the yeah. idea of experts that are telling us climate change is real, evolution is real. Um, even, like, even going to, the, to this um, coronavirus quarantine, to have, like, all these people just say it's a hoax. Like they, they were interviewing, uh, I don't remember who they is in this instance, but I saw an interview of Trump people just saying that like the media is a cancer and that there's no uh, that there's no coronavirus. It's all just, you know, just bullshit. Like, what do you do with that? I mean, th that's the kind of person who would get a job in a super fascist movement and just start killing everybody who went to college and wore glasses. Like that yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh, well, you, you're probably a Democrat. So, you know, the fact that we kill a thousand innocents is probably okay as long as we get, a, you know, a thousand, you know, Democrats or something. Yeah. Whatever and, that logic would be. And it's kind of scary, too, when you see these uh, protesters. Like, uh, what was it in Virginia where they're going through? They're actually in the hallways of the Capitol building with their semi assault rifles. Like, it almost makes you think it's like a. Like a uh, like a test or a uh, what's the term a dry rehearsal or something um for like actually going in there with guns and i don't know like holding hostage democratic governors if you know like trump doesn't win re-election or something like what are they gonna do all of these people are already going into government buildings with weapons that probably that i mean for instance like all of those people is that a red flag that those people should lose their right to guns Granted, those are the people who well, you know start killing really the cops that come to take their guns. But, I mean, isn't that That's a red about flag? That? Yeah, what? When you go to a government building, you can't take in a nail file or, like, your phone. So the fact that you could just walk in with a... You know what I mean? You can't take a knife. That's the last thing they want. But you can take in a assault rifle. That's kind of weird. Yeah, like, I don't understand what's um, going on there. Like, are the guards not... Like, the guards with their metal, with the, at the metal detectors, were they, like, sent home from coronavirus? Like... Who's watching that? How is that allowed? Well, it's really weird, too, because, like, if you can't bring in a nail file or, like, your keychain, like, if you have a pocket knife, you can't bring that in. But, like, what if you, what about my Second Amendment right? I want to, you know, defend myself. You know, it's not a gun, but I want a knife to defend myself. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it's so pointless. I don't, that makes literally no sense. Like, right. <laughs> what if you're smuggling in knives in your assault rifle, like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. magazine? You know That's, what I mean? Like, yeah, the only way your gun will be taken is if you have a knife in it. <laughs> if you're yeah. like, hiding a knife inside. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, here's a good one. It's similar to the Kim Jong-un one. Fox News claims Donald Trump does not poop and invented burgers. That's actually something I took... I was reading articles just for fun. I was like looking up propaganda in North Korea, and they actually have said that about, uh, I believe, Kim Jong Il, 
not the yeah. current guy, but his dad, who obviously had a much longer reign, so way more time for uh, North Koreans to invent mythical uh, attributes to him. But they also said, I mentioned it in the art in one of these articles. They mentioned that Kim Jong Il once uh, golfed eleven holes in one. <laughs> like uh, so, I, I attributed Fox News to saying that about Trump, but. Um, the propaganda in North Korea also said that Kim Jong-il was born under a double rainbow. Um, yeah. His, I think they said his birth turned winter into spring. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, uh, what were some of the other ones? They were saying that, uh, yeah, that he doesn't poop um, because obviously the god emperor or whatever, you know, his body's pure. Uh, it's kind of amazing to think that like in 2000, like, for instance, right now, Kim Jong-un has been missing and not been doing public appearances, including, I think, the anniversary of his dad's death, which is like a major week-long holiday in North Korea or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's speculation. Granted, there's not a lot of information coming out of North Korea, but there is speculation that he had a surgery um, and that he might not be doing well and he might be like... Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. You haven't heard about this? No. Okay, um, I'm uh, so yeah, behind in my Kim Jong Un news. Yeah, there's some speculation that maybe he's in like critical condition or something. And it, uh, granted, again, the information's you know very hard to get out of North Korea, and I think it like this information is based off of South Korean media, and then like one or two, like a very small number of American. Um, I, I don't think spy is the right word, but kind of like intelligence officials or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so it was kind of. Uh, earlier in the week, there were some articles going around um, just on some higher higher up uh, government officials kind of speculating on what would happen if Kim Jong-un died and like what the uh, succession might be like. Because he does have a sister that kind of helps him run things. Um, Kim Jong-un uh, did famously mur- <laughs> have his brother murdered. <laughs> so I guess he kind of and like... His uncle. Yeah, uh, that kind of, or yeah, not as, I think. How's this going to affect Trump, though? Because they fell in love, remember? Yeah, that's true. Trump will be very heartbroken if anything happens to Kim Jong-un. Wouldn't you be, I really want to know what those letters were. Because granted, you can't trust anything Trump claims. So when he writes that they were beautiful (laughs) letters, like, do you think either they were really nice and just he's like, sweet talking or do you think kim jong kim jong un like filled it with threats <laughs> and like really like belligerent you know threats to destroy america or something like what what if you were to bet money which would you guess i mean i it probably wasn't a beautiful letter it was probably just very general nice you know pleasantries kind of thing trying to make see what kind of relation because all yeah. they wanted was a meeting with the u.s president and they got it so like I mean, yeah. I don't know. And we can talk about how dumb that they was. They probably knew because, they could play him. Right. Because Trump met with him in uh, Singapore and then in the DMZ. So he's had like two face-to-face meetings, right? And usually presidents don't do that. When you get to the presidential meeting of the two leaders, you've had everything worked out and you have a deal yeah. in place. Because it really doesn't make sense for you to have the the high profile. Well, Trump's supposed to be a, a big uh, deal maker, right? And even now, we don't have a deal. There's no deal. North Korea refused to do some of the things that we wanted, and Trump basically has just been giving them time to build more weapons and have a stronger bargaining position. And uh, like literally everything is going North Korea's way because Trump, despite claiming to be a great deal maker, is actually in 
reality a terrible deal maker. Um, and again, he like that is kind of leverage. Like that presidential meeting is kind of leverage. North Korea wants to have a meeting with the American president. That kind of validates them on the world stage. So Trump having mm -hmm. a meeting without any concessions or deal uh, ready to go into place is really just like a a terrible way to do diplomacy with a state like North Korea. Well, it's a terrible deal. It's a terrible deal because that was the American leverage was meeting with the U.S. president. Trump could have asked for anything he wanted. Uh, so the fact that he just had it with no preconditions is stupid. Right. I mean, think about it. Like he gave up all his leverage. That's what they wanted was a meeting. Yep. Um, oh, and they well. got it. Meanwhile, like there's no, there's no, there's no limiting of the stockpile. They're, they're still doing tests. They're still firing missiles like over Japan and stuff. Like literally, nothing has, you know, North Korea hasn't had to do anything. Um, here's another article: Cruise Line promises to spend 7.5% of bailout money on things other than bonuses. The joke kind of being like CEOs are basically just robbing America once again with these bailouts. And I don't think anybody is really surprised that Donald Trump would not be um, using vigorous oversight to make sure that the uh, rich CEOs and companies and corporations who are getting these bailouts are using them wisely to help people and their employees. Mm -hmm. um, you actually see a lot of giant companies like Ruth Steakhouse was the big one this week in kind of controversy. Um, there's some other companies, too, that obviously do not deserve any bailout money and have, like, sent all their workers home. And now they just get millions of dollars without <laughs> the expenses of employees, <laughs> you know. Well, it makes um, you wonder, like, I kind of inherently agree with, like, the small business uh, loans, low interest or zero interest or soon to be forgiven loans for small, medium businesses that need it. But if you're an S&P 500 or Dow Jones, um, you know, industrial uh, average company, how on earth can you not go a month? You know, if you make billions of dollars a quarter or hundreds of millions of dollars a quarter, how on earth can you not go two weeks uh, without needing a bailout? Like what kind of terrible mismanagement is going on? It really begs the question of how on earth do they do they need or how do, how do they deserve a bailout, you know? Well, it's because they spent all their money on like stock buybacks and then giant bonuses. So I have a question. Well, yeah, for you. I, we know the reason why, and those CEOs should be punished, and the company should be punished for doing that. I mean, if right. you're, a, I mean, you can fire the CEO, but if the board approved the CEO, approved the bonuses, approved the stock buybacks, like the whole company's fucked because the people who own the company and help run it, or at least vote on decisions with the CEO, <laughs> I mean, they're all fucked too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, how do you See, fix that situation? You can't just get a new CEO with the same board still doing the same short term right. stop, you know, wanting, uh, you know, we want money this quarter right now, 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 like just replacing the CEO is not going to do anything. See, at what point? Let me riddle you this, because like obviously buybacks were illegal until I think 1982 is when the Reagan administration kind of oversaw making that yeah. legal again. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. that's been a terrible decision, and all these companies are making horrible long-term decisions because they can just get bailouts, and any money that they get, they don't have to actually work toward not screwing people over or not giving their employees bonuses or making sure wages like stay ahead of inflation, etc. Um, but but beyond, I mean, obviously, buybacks, that whole process should be reversed. Congress needs to do something the next time Democrats get a majority. But it what, well, like, I think it's stupid. Think of it this way, because like, 
if a company has money, they can do two things, right? They can either give it back to the shareholders or try to expand their company. Now, some companies like Coca-Cola, you know, they have a big advertising uh, budget, but they don't need to expand. They already sell Coca-Cola around the world. So I don't get why you have to legalize stock buybacks. Like stock buybacks don't make sense. You're artificially inflating the price of the stock to some degree. But if you really just want to give money to shareholders, just give a dividend. I don't get that. Like most, a lot, I shouldn't say most, a lot of big companies do give dividends because that's the excess money they have at the end of the quarter or month, whatever have you, and they just want to give it back to shareholders. So why even buy back stock? Just give a dividend. That's what all kinds of companies do. There's got to be all kinds of weird like legal loopholes that you can write it off in different ways or something. Well, that's what it is when they give it to, I mean, there is a loophole when they give stock, um, basically they give stock to like workers and stuff, stock options. So it counts as their pay and then they get a write off certain, I mean, it's a very complicated thing and, and we're not going to get into it here, but like, I mean, that is why it's done, right? It's a uh, legalese and tax right. system kind of, you know, magic, you could say. Yeah. See, here's, here's one thing that I'm going to riddle you though. Do you think people like... If maybe the next president that's a Democrat and with like a Democratic Congress, should people go to jail over this? Like how many times do we have to have economic downturns with giant stimulus packages that get squandered in ways that do not help, that don't trickle down, you know? Like well, it's, it's we've complicated. Talked about this, we've talked about it in terms of like uh, regulations and companies intentionally defying regulations and just paying the fines because they'll make so much money uh, ignoring the law that, that it's profitable to just pay the pittance of fines that the government does. But I mean, like, at what point do like does the government have the right to just say, you know what, fuck this, we're done. All of these companies like basically robbing the American taxpayer. People need to go to jail. Granted, something like yeah. the stock buyback, you can't retroactively, you can't make it illegal and then retroactively, like, you know, send people to jail for doing something that was legal, like, in last year or whatever. But, like, some of these well, companies mean, that are rich and then they, they get this massive stimulus package and then they just give themselves, like, a bonus. Like, I guess that's legal right now, but at the very least, we should start making all of this shit illegal with massive penalties if you do it. Well, they didn't do anything... I mean, as far as I'm tracking, most companies didn't do anything illegal. They just did they, they had terrible management, right? So if you like your own personal budget, like you, if you're living on such thin margins, I mean, unfortunately, this is how a lot of Americans do live when they do these studies that most people live paycheck to paycheck. But if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you shouldn't, you know, you should have better financial sense than the average American because the average American is not given a 30 million contract to go be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So like while they didn't do anything illegal, what the government, you know, they can't prosecute them for anything for bad management. Now the board should be trying to kick these guys out if they're smart at all. Um, because, yeah. um, I mean, imagine a company doing, like I, I used this example uh, one time. I was writing to some, a, a friend of mine and I said like, if you have uh, a stock that's $100 um, and then the company buys a bunch of its stock bringing it 20, you know, let's say 20% up to $120. Well, shareholders did, you know, 20%. That's pretty good over whatever time period. Um, but then you have COVID and they completely collapse and they immediately need bailouts and they have to cancel their dividend because they're not making money and they're going into loans because they have to, you know, get loans to stay afloat. And then the, the stock price plummets to, let's say, 30%. So now let's say the share, you know, 30% is comparable to what a lot of the stocks did immediately after the COVID and quarantines broke. 
Uh, so what you now have is the company spent all of its free money on stock buybacks and the shareholders uh, are still worse off than before because the company's not making money and they're going into debt because they didn't have any savings and their share price is lower than it was before. So, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of these companies are screwing over long-term their uh, shareholders. But, you know, that's one of those things is a right. lot of companies aren't are focused on the on the, the long-term. They're yeah. focused on the short-term. So, so um, what about, what that about being the... said... No, yeah, I was going to say is, that being said, all the government needs to do is put stipulations on any loans that they get. Like, if you're going to get a bailout from the government, you have to do X, Y, and Z in, um, you know, to benefit your company, to benefit the American people, to benefit the taxpayer bailing you out, and to benefit the market for not having to do this again, hopefully in the future, like we've now done twice in 11, 10 years. Yeah, well, what about the uh, the people giving out uh, these loans? Like, should Steve Mnuchin go to fucking jail? For the shit that he does, like this, you know, like the. the I mean, I don't even think we know all that's they, going on. What's that? There's probably so much corruption and fake yeah. companies and companies that don't really deserve the bailouts getting them. I mean, there's so much corruption so that, that we're going to find that? out about, how about a that? lot. The companies that don't deserve them and do this bullshit to get them, should we just say, you know what, fuck it, we're going to start putting heads on stakes, not you know metaphorically, of course, but say that like Ruth. Uh, Chris's steakhouse or whatever like that company that should not be able to get a loan if they're doing shouldn't like shouldn't we just do a massive audit and just say you know what starting now I don't care how much money we spend but we're gonna stop giving away all of this money to these companies that don't deserve it and did not deserve it according to the regulators or regulations and we are going to sue that money and get it back you know I guess pay for all of the the legal costs and everything but just say enough is enough People need to start being punished for this, right? Like a lot of people wanted bankers to go to jail for 2007 and 2008, and no bankers did go to jail. Granted, they just want, you know, okay, there's all there's all kinds of reasons why no one did go to jail. You could argue with it, yes or no. But I mean, if not this crisis, what about the next crisis? Four economic meltdowns from illegal and bad, you know, like a terrible governance and corruption and. Well, it's not fraud. illegal, yeah. Some, yeah. Being right. a shitty like, CEO. But how is many how many economic meltdowns do we have to go through before we start putting people in jail for doing the kinds yeah. of things that lead to you know economic meltdowns? Um, well, I mean. I mean, where is you? You would think the right wing would be all over this, right? Given what they said during the last one, but you know they're you know suspiciously silent. You would think that they would, you know, what better time to call for an audit of the U.S. federal government when they're literally just giving out four hundred billion dollars a month right now? Um, right. I mean, the amount of money they just passed something. I think the Senate passed something today, like four hundred eighty billion dollars more or something for uh, small businesses and hospitals. Um, so I mean, the fact that you have these small business loans going out and 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 you know needed money for a lot of these companies, but then a lot of the money is eaten up by very big businesses that start these really small shell companies right, yeah. that aren't real companies. I mean, I mean. We don't even know what's all going on right now, and I'm sure more will come out in the next couple of months, and it'll just be crazy. But, but you know, what, we'll what see. does the next Democrat I, do? The next Democrat that gets in is going to say, oh, I don't want to spend all my time rehashing the past and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, just imagine how much money Trump has stolen, like the the Secret Service, all of the emoluments mm -hmm. clause violations of his uh, – of uh, kind of foreign policy interests spending a lot of money in his places. Like it, at a certain point, I mean, I personally am okay with the government spending any any amount of deficit spending to hold these people uh, in like in contempt and uh, uh, to account for their fraud. And uh, well, all things considered, holding people to account 
it's going to cost like a couple million dollars tops. Like when you're talking about Trump throwing out $500 billion a month well, for the White House, you know, but you're also going to have probably years and years of appeals and lawyers just eating up all this shit. I don't know. Maybe yeah, but that's what the, we have the justice. We already pay people to do that. The Justice Department, right, they would yeah. be the ones doing it. That's true. Because, um, I mean, Trump, Trump just needs to be in prison. There needs to be no part. I mean, how do you pardon a president who's committed arguably like 12, 12 impeachable crimes, you know? Well, we'll um, see what happens when he leaves office and, you know, whether it's in uh, a year from now or a little less than a year or in four years. And um, we'll see what, what the state of New York is going to do when they, you know, maybe he'll he'll never show his face in New York City again. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. there. Yeah, well, he already moved his residency to Florida. He's going to retire to Mar-a-Lago and just live there. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably like a total pariah in New York City. <laughs> I think he I, I think, think he's probably he was aware. before. He was well, a pariah before. I guess. He was at least amusing before. Now he's now like we said, he's personally negatively affected like every American's life to some degree. Yeah. Well for sure. Especially <laughs> yeah. twenty four million, twenty six million people out of work now. Right. Well, we got worked up a little bit on uh, that topic. Let's maybe find a uh, lighter lighter subject. Here's a funny one. Kind of a kind of a little throwaway one. Florida man blaming China for eating weird animals remembers he eats weird animals. <laughs> Just a kind of a light, light one. Um, very much true. That's pretty you, funny. When you think about That's eating like that, snake uh, and gators and shit like that. The to- yeah. <laughs> like how, how are rednecks in America any different than rednecks in China? You know? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, people are the same everywhere. Speaking of redneck, how many years do you think, I just saying that, I just thought about this, how many years do you think we'll be considered racist for saying the word redneck, like in 50 years when our kids are, re- our grandkids are reading textbooks about, you know, people used to say redneck? Well, I mean, there's probably no doubt that there's things like, that. Pe- I mean, what do you think about, like, the, the fact that there's an NFL team called the Redskins, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think redneck I mean, actually has to do with being sunburned from working. I don't think redneck necessarily has to do with Native Americans. But, you know. Oh, I was just saying, I was just talking about uh, the fact that oh, words right, are yeah. going to be looked at poorly yeah. in the future. Yeah, that one's kind of weird, too, because I think, like, the Chiefs isn't offensive, I, well, I mean, I guess why would it be? Because redskins is kind of like a derogatory term based on skin color. But then well, that's a very in-depth topic, too, because, I mean, for every Native American title or team name or whatever have you, there, there's a lot of Native Americans who literally don't care. And, you know, and some of them even like you know, it because it's that representation, I guess. Yeah. It's not a monolith I mean, of everybody hating it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and there's ways to do it better. Like the military <laughs> uses a lot of Native American words, like tomahawk missile, but a lot of Apache helicopter, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of those are kind of in, in uh, you know, uh, in memory of the the you know martial fighting strength and, and power of the Native Americans as adversaries right. way back when. So um, granted, you know, maybe Redskins isn't the best way to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Here's another good article. Poll proves 100% of people saying don't blame Trump would have blamed Obama. Now, I yeah. think uh, not much argument on that, but that's totally true. The amount of stuff now, it's quaint when you look at uh, the things that people complained about with Obama compared to what you know, is going on now quaint, yeah. in the era of Trump. It really is quaint. 
Um, well, when the when the, you know, it's like when the the biased uh, opposite political parties uh, media just complains about what color suit you're wearing or what you order on your food. Um, I think America's probably having an easy time of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of interesting. I'm reading a, a biography, the John Meacham book on George H.W. Bush. And it's kind of interesting because I'm at the part right now where it's talking about the 1980 election. And George Bush ran and he was kind of like the moderate alternative to Reagan who had uh, he'd kind of been running for president as a candidate since like 1968, I believe. He ran against... Um, Nixon, and then he was the governor of California, and then he started running again in 76, and then, of course, won in 80. But uh, it's just kind of interesting, because the conservatives then were kind of, like, Reagan was kind of like the Trump figure back then, and he had a lot of support of kind of uh, conservatives who hated the kind of establishment mainstream Republican Party that they thought was centered mostly, like, in like kind of the Ivy League, East Coast uh, kind of sort of people, and um, definitely with Reagan, you got kind of like a proto-demagogic figure who was kind of hardline against the Soviets. You could, you know, I think he had a kind of like an, I guess you could say, kind of like an America first mentality in a lot of policies. But well, here's the thing I think, think in the about. future, I wonder if in the future calling someone Trump will be like, like the famous internet rule, like if you bring up the Nazis or the Third Reich or Hitler, Hitler you yeah. automatically lose. <laughs> right. Like, how are you to compare any Republican who comes after Trump to Trump? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have to see some real freaking crazies to, to be able to say we're, we're going there again. Um, right. So, like, I think even saying uh, Reagan is the Trump of an earlier era might even be, be a little disingenuous. Reagan actually cared about people other than himself. He actually wanted to do a good job. You know, it wasn't all about him. So, like, I mean, even Goldwater, you know, (laughs) Johnson, you know, LBJ in 1964 made the whole campaign about how crazy Goldwater is. But, you know, I don't I doubt Goldwater would have been nearly as bad as Trump. (laughs) Well, that's an interesting thought, too, because Goldwater was so radical in 1964. But by 1980, Goldwater was still in Congress and uh, he thought Reagan was like too extreme. Right. So it's just kind of interesting that Reagan was doing a lot of stuff that Goldwater didn't uh, um, believe in and thought was like too kind of far out there. And it was it was there. Uh, Goldwater they kind had of mellowed out famously. Yeah, he did some of those old out, right? Republican blowhards, like at the end of their lives, especially like with uh, in the '90s and stuff. I remember reading this thing. They were saying they were like almost like looking at each other, going like, "Oh man, can you imagine how we used to be the crazies?" <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, here's a, here's a funny one. Um, worried Trump has coronavirus. Matt Gates has been giving him sponge baths. Just kind of a little light one I wanted to throw in. Um, I do have the kind of recurring joke in my head. I haven't done too many articles about it, but the idea that, uh, Trump might start a dictators club and have like Lindsey Graham, Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, like the usual suspects of kind of Trump blowhards. But the idea that he would actually like start a dictator club and maybe they would just mm-hmm. be kind of like a frat and haze each other and stuff like that. Like to get in the dictator's club, you know, you got to like drink Trump's urine or something, do a golden shower on yourself, something like that. Here's one. Trump reportedly offered Obama $1 million to take the blame for coronavirus. <laughs> uh that one's like almost you can imagine being true. Yeah, you can yeah, you can totally imagine that being true. It is funny because Trump gets up there now and during these press conferences and he says things like, 
Oh, it's so it's so ridiculous. He'll say things like, you know, what I inherited, it was like an empty cabinet. We didn't have anything. And we also didn't have bullets, you know. We had a military. I said, how could we fight? We don't have any bullets. And he just he just says shit like that that like it's a it's just so stupid that I heard someone saying that it's like disingenuous to pretend Trump is normal. Oh, he was in that podcast uh with uh the, or whatever, uh, beside the point. But um, they were saying that uh, it's kind of weird to, like, you think that the fake news is on the liberal side, but on the other hand, you also get fake news from just journalists in general listening to Trump talk and pretending it's normal and then reporting on the crazy outrageous things he says and does as if it's all normal politics and just a normal, regular thing for a president to do or say. And that's kind of, like, such a good point. Um, but in this case of this article, you know, he just says outrageous stuff that you would believe it, but it's amazing. Like you were in the military. Did the military have no bullets? <laughs> were there no bullets before Trump came over? Well, it's funny. Like when you look at like military procurement, the whole idea is a joke. Like the fact, how long, I mean, I was in the Navy. So like, imagine how long it takes to build a Navy ship. Um, like there's always delays. It takes a while. Like there is stuff that George W. Bush probably signed off on that is still just now coming down the pipeline. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so the idea, like, like he says he rebuilt the military as if there <laughs> yeah. weren't like a million people already in it when he showed right. up to office. You know what I mean? I mean, like there, there were thousands 365 of ships already sailors existing. already yeah trained and ready to go and you know yeah we have more ships than we did but you know obama signed on those ships being built you know so if a ship was commissioned probably at all during his uh his presidency it was signed off and paid for by obama so right um, plus that's stupid too (laughs) like the idea that the military had like nothing but it's it's kind of funny because remember like uh a big thing they were hitting Obama on in 2012 was that we had like less ships now than we did in World War Two or something. And then, yeah. he, you know, he he kind of had a great quip. line. Yeah. He's like, well, we have we have less horses than we had in the Civil War. And I always thought that was such a great line. Yeah. And he said, we have, yeah, we have less horses and bayonets than we used to. So, you know, <laughs> you gonna hit me on that, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that's so funny. Let's do one more. All right. <clears throat> Um, and I think we'll uh, close here. This is a good one. On uh, It's White House releases 23 corrections to Trump's perfect coronavirus speech. Um, I just want to say this one because I thought it was pretty amusing if I can toot my own horn for a minute. But it's all, it's all of the excuses. He does these press conferences and then lies and then people have to come out and clarify what he says. And then Trump himself the next day will completely do a 180. You know, the whole idea that uh, he wants these states to liberate themselves from quarantines and then uh georgia's governor is saying we're going to open up and then he tweets he strongly um he like strongly doesn't approve of it so that just makes no coherent sense but these are the 23 corrections to trump's perfect coronavirus speech um coronavirus was not created in a lab by cnn (laughs) that'd be funny to just blame cnn (laughs) for it um Mm -hmm. Blowing on your hands does not blow away the coronavirus germs. Obviously, Trump has all this time kind of downplayed the coronavirus. Um, he, he, he maybe infamously was touting that uh, hydrochloroxine or whatever that pill, that mm-hmm. thing is that now a study has come out just in the last like day or two. Hydrochloroquine or whatever. Yeah. And a study just came out saying that it doesn't really help and can maybe make and probably makes a lot of people's symptoms worse. 
Um, once again, it shows to have like a normal president that wouldn't just go out and pick a random drug that like conspiracy theories online are saying maybe yeah. it helps, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good one. Uh, here's a correction to his speech. Nancy Pelosi does not wear a necklace with coronavirus in a little bottle around her neck. <laughs> It'd be a funny thing to say. Uh, uh-huh. The coronavirus did not evolve inside Rosie O'Donnell's bitch mouth. <laughs> Donald Trump famously <laughs> has this weird rivalry with uh, Rosie O'Donnell, who he hates. Um, the coronavirus is not from Kenya, and Barack Obama did not bring it with him when he got elected president. <laughs> Wearing Make America Great Again hats does not prevent you from getting infected with coronavirus in public. Coronavirus is not Obama's Ebola wearing a disguise. What do you think about that one? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Eric Trump is not a biochemist and is not close to finding the cure for coronavirus. Um... Obama did not try to award the coronavirus the medical Would that be the freedom. first good thing a Trump did for the country if <laughs> yeah, Eric right. Trump cured the first selfless thing? Yeah. Well, they would probably just put a massive uh, price on it and try to profit off of it. For sure. Um, CNN's Don Lemon has never gotten gay with coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> Trump also hates Don Lemon. Um, it, Don Lemon seems to be the CNN guy that uh, Trump hates the most, which maybe isn't surprising given that he's the only black guy <laughs> um mm-hmm. trump famously kind of has problems <laughs> with uh, race relations in america um <clears throat> michelle obama did not ever spray coronavirus on her vegetable garden to make them poison america um coronavirus was not a campaign donor <laughs> donor to pete Buttigieg. um <laughs> And there is no evidence for the claim that the DNC is colluding with coronavirus to hurt Trump in the election. That's kind of an ode to Trump claiming that Ukraine did not, the Ukraine and Russia were not colluding with him, but were in fact colluding um, with the Democrats, which is a ludicrous term. But uh, that's kind of a nice little rundown on some uh, satire that I've done. You got any last thoughts on any of the subjects we've uh, talked about? Uh, no, not really. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, to Brain Milk Podcast. I'm Dash McIntyre. I'm Adrian Pope. And uh, check out more of our podcasts and the Halfway Post for more of our thoughts. Enjoy the guitar solo.